Hey, let's uh, turn to Genesis chapter 15. I'm starting a new series today. And in honor of 15 years of us being a church, at least since the merge of 2008. And we're going to look at different passages from chapter 15 in various books. So a great place to start today is the book of Genesis. And I'm really looking forward to teaching this with you. And we'll start in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Next week will be in Exodus. And we won't do all 66 books, but we'll, we'll do, well, of course, not all 66 books have a chapter 15. And then some of those chapter 15s, I mean, I know better teachers and preachers than me could, could get a great message out of it. But I, but I picked the ones that the Lord was leading me to, and then that will bring insight to your life. And guys, there's some good stuff in God's word for you today. So get ready to receive insight and let that insight change you. Uh, my, my title of this particular message um, is called Your Future is God's Art. So we've been talking a lot about us as a church, but now I want to talk a little bit more about you in particular. And when we look at Abraham, um, the father of our faith, the, the one who three major religions of the world have, he have sprung from Abraham's life, but we know that the Messiah was revealed through Abraham's line, and now the Messiah is for the whole world. And he was a lot like us. Sometimes we think Abraham was super mighty, different, but, you know, he had a pretty colorful life from what we have insights in. And he did some amazing things, but he also did some embarrassing things. But yet God initiated a covenant with him. God is the one who said, I want to be in covenant with you and initiated a covenant. And we, this morning, are walking in the covenant that he started with Abraham as revealed through Jesus. What a wonderful thing. So Genesis chapter 15. Uh, first of all, I've got to tell you a little bit about chapter 14. Uh, in chapter 14, Lot, Abraham's nephew, was kidnapped by armies and several kings. And Abraham gathered up 318 warriors. And these guys must have known how to fight because they chased the kings and their armies in chapter 14 a long, long ways uh, from the Dead Sea to the northernmost part of Israel. It'd be like chasing someone on foot from here to Atlanta or something. And so, I mean, it was pretty, pretty amazing what he did. And now we pick up in chapter 15. After these events, that's why I told you about chapter 14. The word of the Lord came to Abram. His name had not changed to Abraham yet, but I'll refer to him as Abraham when I talk. In a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus? And Abraham continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, 
your offspring will be that numerous. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So God could have given Abraham land, which he did in Genesis chapter 12. And God could have given Abraham an heir, a son, or if it wasn't a son, at least a daughter who could have produced a son. But he didn't have both of those. He had the land, but not the heir. Some people had the, they had the children, but not the land. So one was incomplete without the other. We, we live in that tension sometimes, don't we? We have some of the promise of God, but not all the promise of God. And that tension point is, is where we find Abraham in chapter 15. Believing in who God is, but not seeing the full fruition of what God promised. Man, we've all been there before. Some of us are there. But God promised both the seed and the land. So I want you to think about that for you. We talked about land matters to God last week. And that being, that being our, our sphere of influence, really. But also God wants to reproduce his work in you. So there's the seed and there's the land. And both of those things are promises of God for you. So within Genesis 15, when God had to keep reminding Abraham... I mean, he's kind of like us, right? We have to keep being reminded of the goodness of God. And that's why we have daily devotions, weekly worship, annual events. These things remind us of the goodness of God. I mean, right, most of the preaching that you hear, you know, if you've walked with the Lord for about 18 months, most of the preaching you, you hear is like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. It's not that you've never heard it. You need, it, you need to be reminded of it. So it comes into your soul, And Abram was that same way. God kept on giving him the same promise over and over. And there may be new insight into that promise. And that's what was happening here at Genesis 15. And when God starts revealing his promise, he also reveals his character. So we we just don't get, God doesn't just give us his promise because his his promise is not as great as him, himself, the giver of the promise. So here's my first observation from the passage that we've already written. Here it is. This is going to bless you when you see it on the screen and hope you see it in your heart. God is your protector. God is your protector. I want this to sink into your spirit today. I want you to claim this. I want you to know this. Look at verse 1 again. After these events, so after, after Abram really had tremendous success, did almost the impossible with 318 warriors, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Well, you know this already. When God reveals, don't be afraid, that usually means we are afraid. (laughs) So we we can kind of read into this a logical explanation that maybe Abram was thinking, Abraham, I, I caught them off cues that didn't know the territory. There's a lot of things he could have been imagining, thinking, These same armies that I chased away in Genesis 14, they're going to come back to me. And so here it is that we have those fears, don't we? Fears in the night. Who among us haven't laid in our bed at night and thought about irrational fears? Man, that happens. And sometimes crazy things come to mind, crazy fears. I'm like, how am I even imagining this possibility? And and that's where we're, we're instructed that, take those thoughts captive 
Make them obedient to Jesus. Take those thoughts and begin to speak to those thoughts, the promises of God. Speak to those thoughts, the principles in scripture. So don't feel bad if you have an irrational fear, irrational thought. Don't think, well, you're weak or abnormal. No, that, you're, you're normal. Uh, the difference is, as a believer, you have a tool. You have access to the power of God. You have the Holy Spirit that's with you right there when you're laying in your bed or in those morning hours or in, in whatever those times, that, more, that commute to work when these thoughts come to your mind. Take them captive. Make them obedient to Jesus. Well, we can say Abraham here is thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to get attacked again. And I, I find this really awesome he says, do not be afraid. But notice, let's put verse 1 back up there. He didn't just say, do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. He called him by name. Boy, there's something powerful when we recognize God knows our name. Isn't it fun when someone recognizes your name? You know, that's a, that's a big value of mine. I'm not as good as I used to be. I got to work harder on it and we have lots of people come in and out of this church. So I, I can't even say I know everybody's name in this room right now, but I want to know everybody's name in this room. I mean, the, the first step to learning people's names, I hear people all the time say, I'm no good at names. The first step to remembering people's names is caring to remember their names. If you just say, I don't, I'm not good at names, then you're not going to remember them. But if you're like, I want to know, I want to remember these names. Again, it's harder for me than it used to be, but... It's important to me still. Isn't it awesome when, to know that God knows your name? You're not one among, what, six or seven billion now? We got so many people on the planet, I can't remember if it's six or seven billion now. Someone tell me before the 1045 service. But God knows your name, and we know more than that. He knows, Jesus said this, that numbers of hair on your head, this incalculable number. God knows your name. And that takes away a lot of fear, doesn't it? And as you walk with the Lord this week, there's such a variety of anxieties in here. Students who are starting a new grade, a new school, teachers who don't know who they're going to get, business owners, uh, people who need to make the quarterly sales quota. Okay, that ended June 30th, but you're, you're now, now you're, you're starting a new quarter. All of these different anxieties, our fears for our kids, our fears for our adult kids. And um, the Lord says, fear not. Not just fear not to the church. He says, fear, fear not, Curtis. Fear not, Scott. Fear not, Kalen. He, he's, he's calling us by name. Because he's a relational God. And he knows our name. He knows our name. And that's an expression of his love for us. You know, just because you've won before doesn't mean you'll never fear again. You know, winning does have a momentum to it. And that's why a good experience, if we're not prideful, we can build momentum and confidence off of that. But sometimes I've been around people who, man, from my perspective, they have it all together. I'm like, why would you be anxious about anything? You've got talent, you've got connections, you've got, you know, skills, you've got experience. But fear is bigger than that sometimes. Fear is not rational. Fear doesn't make sense. 
And so some of you who are very successful, you may be battling a fear and, and you may be even feel weird about telling people because you know what they're going to say. They're going to be like, why are you afraid? Everything you touch turns to gold. Everything you do turns out good. But for you, it's a real fear. The Lord's calling you by name today. And he's reminding you that he is your protector. He's your protector. He's watching out for you. He's not going to let you, he's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you um, fail. He's going to undergird you and be your strength. Now we think about the New Testament. We think about Paul, um, who, as I've told you many, many times, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul helped bring the gospel to to us, really, who are not Jewish. So he, he was taking the gospel to an area called Macedonia, which we now call Greece. And within Greece and Macedonia is the city of Corinth. So he's writing to this church in, Cor- in Corinth. And let's look at uh, what, what he said, telling the story of, of coming to Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. In fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. I guess he didn't read all of the all of the books now on Sabbath and all that. Uh, anyway, let me go. Let me move on. Sometimes I just told a joke that I enjoyed and no one else did. So I wish we recorded 10:45, not nine. But that's just all of our team that does the 9 a.m. streaming. They want to get it over with early. So. Back to the word of God. <laughs> so we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. This is, this is Paul and this team. Conflicted on the outside, fears within. That's a pretty bad combination. Conflicts on the outside. That's like people opposing the message of Christ. Uh, resistance. Uh, we, we know this, that the Jews in synagogues all around the world didn't like this new message about the rabbi Jesus. Those are the fears from without. But then, excuse me, the conflict from without. But he said, but fears within. Just because you've succeeded before, just because God calls you to something new, doesn't mean there won't be opposition and you won't have fear on the inside. I don't know about you, but moving into this new part of the year, because I declare tomorrow, Monday, the beginning of the second half of the year. Uh, That's just just how it's going to work for everybody. Everybody's just, almost all of us are back to business tomorrow. And and we're we're racing towards December 31st. And here we are moving into this new season. God has called you to do things. He's called you to raise a kid. He's called you to build a business. He's called you to succeed at your job. He's called you to do great things at your school. He's called you to do these things. But just because God called you doesn't mean that it will be opposition-free. And it doesn't mean that you won't have fear from within. But do you hear what the Lord told Abram? He said, fear not Abram. He called him by name because he knew the situation. Fear is common. Fear is typical. Fear is normal. Then God intervenes. And when God gets involved, he says in many different ways, the famous phrase from the Bible, it's all through the Bible, fear not. 
And I just like that phrase, fear not. To me, it feels more powerful to me than don't fear. Fear not. And in some of the more traditional translations of the Bible, that's all through the scripture, all through the Old Testament, even into the gospels. Fear not. Fear not for I am with you, Isaiah said. I have called you by name. You are mine. Think about that. Fear not, I am with you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the fires, fires, I'll be there. When you walk through the floods, I'll be with you. This is the Lord our God. Sometimes we're looking for a reward that we don't get. Have you ever had a situation where someone was trying to give you something, but you knew there were strings attached? You're like, I need that opportunity. I need that extra money. I need that vehicle. I need, but I know that if I take it, I'm going to be attached to that person or obligated to that person in a way I don't want to be. See, Abram dealt with this in Genesis 14. Because after he conquered the kings, then the king of Sodom came to him who, uh, who was a, a prototype of, of the Lord, really. Melchizedek, excuse me, came to him. Not Sodom, excuse me, king of Salem. Melchizedek came to him and he offered him something. And, and Abram resisted. Look at, look at um, of course, I'm a little out of sequence here. Sorry about this, Amanda. This is like four pages later. I don't know why I went there now. Genesis chapter 14, if you can find that. Well, I remember remember putting it down, but I can't find it in my notes. Yeah, thank you. There it is. Thank God for the media team that I just kind of dogged like 10 minutes ago. (laughs) So God humbled me, which is not true. Amanda stays for both services. So the the computer team people, and so does the sound, so does everybody. I don't know why I'm even saying that. So sorry about that. Verse 22, but Abraham, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand in an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of the heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that belongs to you so you can never say, I made Abram rich. So here it is that he had a chance to receive this reward, but he knew that the reward had strings attached to it. So he didn't do that. So God blesses him. God blesses him and God says, I'm your reward. I'm your reward. And that's my second point today. God is your rewarder. That when we resist an earthly reward that we know that's not good for us, it is not lost. It's not an opportunity we won't get back. It's not something that the Lord has overlooked. Some of you have turned down a job so you wouldn't disrupt your family at a crucial time. Some of you have let go of an opportunity because of calling you have at a church. Some of you have have turned down the chance to do something that would have been unethical for you. It would have given you more money or more opportunities, but you've, you've resisted that reward because you knew that it would cause a compromise within you. But God says, I'm your rewarder. 
I'm the one who's going to reward you. I'm the one who's going to take care of you. Look at verse, verse 1 again. It says, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. He said, fear not. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. You just turned down the reward. But the reward I have for you now is going to be great and is going to bless you. Psalm 25 is a scripture that for a few years I prayed it a lot over my life. And so when I was going through the sermon, I like knew that this was something I wanted to share with you. Psalm 25, verse 12 and 13. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He, the Lord, will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. I want you to hear this today, that when you fear the Lord, which means you're concerned about the Lord and what the Lord says, fear him. This is a positive term, meaning this is that you respect the Lord. You agree with the Lord. Sin is sin. And that you follow the Lord. Then the Lord will show you what's good for you. When you begin to walk with the Lord, he'll begin to reveal paths to you. He'll begin to affirm paths that you're already on, that you need to stay on. He'll show you the good life. He'll show you the beneficial life. He'll show you the life that is fitting for you. And then your very children, grandchildren will also benefit from this. Those that are in your sphere. You claim Psalm 25, 12, and 13. Who is a person who fears the Lord? He will show him, the Lord will show him the way he should choose. He will, he will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. I think about our life here on this earth. That we, we grow very attached to this world for good reasons. Because God made the world. And what did he say? And he saw that it was good. This is a good world that we live in. This is a good earth. And we get to partner with God to make it better. But it has no comparison to what God has in store for us in the future. That's why as believers we know this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 reminds us of this. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No human heart has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Why? God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. We don't worship him for his rewards, but we receive his rewards because as we begin to walk in the paths that he shows us, there's a reward for that. When we begin to obey the Lord, he said this, he promised us, this is ancient wisdom. And David was singing celebration. I know not everybody wants to believe in the power of the Bible still. But I believe in the power of the Bible because I've seen it on my life. That I've, I have, I have, and I say this hopefully with humility, I have integrated these scriptures. And then that is one of them as part of my life and claimed it for my life and spoken it over my children. And I'm seeing fruit in it. it the word of the Lord works for you. Because God will show you the path. When you fear the Lord, he will show you the path and good will come to your life. He is your rewarder. And you can't even conceive what he has. You can't even imagine the good things that he has. He has great, great things for you. And that leads me to my third observation. God is your su surpriser. God is the one who surprises you. Verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless? Yet not even without a son. He's without a daughter too at this point. And the heir of my house is, 
Eliezer of Damascus. This is one of his servants. So here it was, it was the custom that if a couple was childless, they would adopt a servant. So that servant would take care of them in their old age. And then that servant would inherit everything and the family line would change. But all of that was only temporary until a, a legitimate heir came. And so Abram's kind of given up here in verse, verse 2. He said, Lord, what can you give me? I'm childless and the heir of my, my house is, is my servant. Abraham continued, look, you've given me no offspring so a slave born in my house will be my heir. You know what? One of the things I love about the scripture is Abram's honesty with God. He said, hey God, this is what I'm feeling right now. You know, fearing the Lord doesn't mean we can't be honest with the Lord. Fearing the Lord is always keeping the Lord in the position that he's in. But it's good for our soul to be honest with God. And when we're honest with God, uh, sometimes that is the key to new revelation from God. If we're, you know, we're, we're, we're futile, it's pointless to try to, to try to pretend and have pretense towards God because he knows everything about us. How many know that sometimes when we pray, it's like we think we're tricking God or something. And I, I like this revelation here that Abram's just honest with God. And, you know, God didn't need to be informed, but Abram just needed to know, he needed to know what, Abram needed to say this to God. He said, Verse 3, look, you've given me no offspring. A slave in my house will be my heir. Verse 4, now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. He didn't even name Eleazar. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. What a surprise, right? When we can't see the solution. When we can't see the pathway, when we can't see how God's going to come through with his promise, and we kind of give up, we, we kind of feel Abram, he just kind of gave up here and just said, this is the way it's going to be. I've already prepared my servant to be my heir because I don't have an heir. And God said, no, listen, one's going to come from your very body. An heir will come, and we know that that came through Isaac. So it is that we, we can see that God surprises us in ways that we cannot see. And then he surprised, he surprised Abram by having him look up to the sky. Look up to the sky to see the stars. And this is the last thing I want to share with you. God is your legacy architect. You know, we're, we're, we're trying so hard to construct a legacy to leave behind. But when we walk in the paths the Lord has for us, we have to trust that he is seeing down through the future centuries, through, through our influence, how we're going to influence the world in ways we can't imagine. Verse 5, he took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. And then he said, your offspring will be that numerous. You know that. Astronomists have identified about 30,000 named stars. About 30,000 stars that they've named. But what they all agree with, there's hundreds, 100 billion more stars out there. So the truth is, you cannot count. You cannot count. God, God took Abram outside, outside, I'm assuming his tent, and said, look up, look up. 
Before, Abram had only looked around. He'd only looked and seen the infertility. He'd only looked and seen the trend. He's only looked and seen his age. And God says, look up. I want to show you something that because your head has been down, you haven't been able to see until now. See, earlier in chapter 13, God gave him a promise about, about the dirt of the ground. Genesis 13, verses 16. He said this, I will, that's six. I'm so sorry I put the wrong one in. But listen to verse 16. I will make your offspring, listen to this, like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. Then he took him outside here in chapter 15 and said, look up. So both Abram was standing on the promise of God, and he would look up and he would see the promise of God. He would see that. And some would say he had this earthly promise out of the dirt, which was a Jewish people. And then the stars of the sky would be all who believe by faith, not by works, who Jesus is and the Messiah's plan. So we, like Abraham, we're walking on the promise of God. Just right now, just when we walk upon planet earth, the very dirt is a promise to us. And then when we look up, we don't just, we don't just look at what we can see. We look up. And we see something great. And I want you to see this last scripture, verse 6. Because this scripture is quoted three times in the New Testament. Abraham believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. This was, again, quoted in Galatians. And it was quoted in Romans, and it was quoted in James. This is a huge principle of faith by grace, not by works. You see, this, this promise of righteousness, or this not just promise of righteousness, this credit of righteousness, was given to Abraham long before Moses had all of the rules that were supposed to make us righteous. That's why we are the children of Abraham. Because it's faith, not works, that cause us to love Christ. It's faith that he gave us that gives us a chance to respond to Christ. So I'll say this in verse 6. If you put that up there one more time. It said this, Abraham believed the Lord. And that word believed has has a lot of great, great undertones and meanings in the original language. But here's, here's a strong a strong interpretation. He leaned into the Lord. He put his weight into the Lord. He, he put his weight into Yeshua, Yahweh, the promise. And because he like let himself go to where only God could support him, that, that was imputed righteousness. That was the righteousness. It wasn't a certain thing he said. It wasn't raising his hand after a good speech. It wasn't filling out a card. It wasn't joining a church. It was leaning into the promises of God and putting all of his weight into the Lord. Abraham is like us. I want it to call you to lean into the Lord. Let him be your protection. Let him be your reward. Let him surprise you. And let him design and build a legacy which is not about you, which is bringing glory to him.
Hey, would you pray with me? God, thank you for Genesis 15. We thank you for, for revelation. We, we thank you, Lord, for revelation in Genesis 15, that you're showing us, God, um, the work of Jesus, even in the life of our ancestor, Abraham. Thank you for Abraham's faith. Thank you that we're like Abraham. We want to lean into you, God. We want to put our weight into you and your promises and who you are. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.